I started recording, so oh, you're recording. I'll now. let you. Obviously, you're gonna edit whatever you want. So wait, hold. Uh, should I put this on GarageBand or, or like what's nah, happening with this? I'm recording this to an SD card right now. Oh whoa! You don't need to put this in the GarageBand. <laughs> so when we're done, I'll show you. You just you're gonna take these files. Uh -huh. You're gonna have my side. You're gonna have your side. Oh. And then you can just drag those into GarageBand, okay. as is. Uh huh. Or like I do, I double them up. And then I'll pitch, I'll pan one to left, one to right, and then one to left, one to right. So they're in both ears. <gasps> so this could be like the audio quality I could have this is once I level up yeah, this to is, the Tonjus. Yeah. <laughs> this, is your, this is your $600 or less podcast setup right here. That's not bad. What's not this bad called? This is a Zoom H6. A Zoom H6. And then uh, you can use any mics. I have, I think these are Shure mics, which are nice, but I don't remember how much they were. I think they, I just had them sitting around from music stuff. They have the little pop thingy dingies. I put that, yeah, I put that on top. Um, we're just doing what we can. I really, all of this, I just put together and hope that it works. I mean, you have very successful podcasts. Oh, thank you. Yeah. They work. Yeah. For sure. There's a lot of them. I got many ideas. <laughs> I want to start a million more. <laughs> I want to like revamp the ones that I have. Whenever anyone's like, how many podcasts do you have? I'm like, wait, currently like all together or like the ones that I'm like uploading right now. Yeah. Cause I mean, there's a lot. How many? So wait, um, before we keep diving in, this is Megan Tonjes. Oh yeah. Hey, this um, is Megan Tonjes. And I'm Bevan and this is my podcast, Bevan. Uh, I took over. <laughs> a femme over 40 and her friend's podcast. It's not taking over. The key to getting your time back is having people who do things better than you and getting them to do those things. So there when I go. asked Tan just to be on my podcast. <laughs> you really were just like, I just want to hear the audio quality that could happen. <laughs> you, just, <laughs> you didn't even say to bring my podcast off. I just brought it because I thought, well, might as well. It was the best choice. And I feel grateful that you're here uh, with your great podcast staff. Um, you've already cried twice since you've been at my house yeah. for about 10 minutes. And they're quick cries. It's just, it's not even like a full sob. It's just uh, the tears go. It's the smartest thing because when you have tears come up, letting them flow yeah. lets it go. Yeah, there that's, you go. That's emotions are energy in motion. It's true. Oh, I'll take that. Um, Tanjus is a triple water sign, which for <laughs> those of you who don't speak astrology, it just means there's all, a lot of feelings. A lot of them. And every kind of feelings because you like hit the spread, right? Like you're a Scorpio sun. Yeah. And then what's your rising? Cancer. Cancer. <laughs> and your Pisces, Pisces moon. moon. <laughs> I know. Although I've been told by multiple people that if you're going to have triple water, that, I mean, maybe they're just kissing my ass, that mine is one of the better ways to have triple water Full spread agree. out. I mean, I would say like Pisces is a warning sign to me, <laughs> no matter what. So like wherever you know. Pisces is, we're fucked. Yeah, basically. <laughs> But um, it's only like when you are the kind of Pisces that is hell bent on assuming the worst. And okay. I actually do believe like you are Scorpio. And so like, don't yeah. fuck with you. Yes. But <laughs> also like I see you as a little bit of an optimist. I would say more optimist than, yeah. than anything else. I mean, otherwise you would not be here. Like you True. keep persisting. Like you've been a singer songwriter for like 15 years. Oh my God, I've never really done the math. How old yeah. are you, 36? Um, who, no, uh, not yet. I'm almost there, but 30, I'm about to be 34. You're about to be 34, really? 34. I don't, I have a really hard time. I can like... Anyone from like 28, uh, well, honestly, even lower than that, because I have friends that are like 24, and I always forget they're 24. I'm like, I just assume that you're, I assume everyone's my age. 
wherever I am yeah. at any point. People tend to stay the same age they were when I met them, like in my mind. But then okay. I also like, I can posit people like, I know you're post Saturn return, but you're not even close to 40. So like, I was kind of guessing that you might be a little older so than when I met you. It's a solid guess. It is a solid I guess. I mean, I feel, yeah, I don't, yeah, I feel no way about it. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> I feel fine. It's great. Everything after 30, I'm just like, okay, it is what it is, man. And I think the truth is, for you, for sure, like, I love that you've also been a YouTube celebrity for a real long time. <laughs> yeah. And so there's, like, documented progress of, like, who you used to be and who you are it's now. true. From 19 to, yeah, that's when I started. I started when I was 19, wow. and I started playing music when I was 19. Wow. Look and at that. you are. And there I went. And and you persist. You I moved persist. from Michigan to... I got a tattoo on the back of me that says, still, I choose to swim. <laughs> and I'm swimming. I'm drowning sometimes, but I'm swimming. Uh, yeah, actually, I very much identify with that. You know? Yeah. It's one of my favorite lyrics or one of my favorite songs. Oh, which song is that? It's uh, James Vincent McMorrow. And um, what's the actual title? If I Had a Boat. Oh. I'll play it for you later. Oh, I'm excited. I got a lot of like contemporary dance, sad ass music, like angsty fan video shit. Yeah. Kevin Garrett is another artist that I'm obsessed with. Wow. I just love to feel things. Uh, me and my roommate are so opposite because he was going through a breakup at the beginning of the year. G still going through the breakup. It's, it's been a he's a Capricorn. It's a continuous process. Uh -huh. you so know? He's still feeling and it. And he's a Pisces moon. So it's just like wow. poor baby. Oh, God. That's Capricorn hard. rising, Capricorn sun, Pisces moon. Well, Keith, I'm sorry. Poor baby boy. Uh, <laughs> and so uh, for a long time there, or whenever we're in the car and I'm driving, uh, I can't play like the music that I would normally play because everything, I don't feel sad about it. I'm just like, oh, I love it. Just like touches all the things. I feel so good. But apparently everything I listen to is just heartbreaking and causes him to get upset. So, you know, we have to put happier music on. Listen, it's a practical choice to like, get it. it's, to curate your environment to be the feeling you need or want. It's just so funny. We're so different. I'm like, when I'm in heartache, I'm just like, all I want to listen to is just the most poignant, sad, mm. contemporary dance music. Yeah, contemporary dance music. Yeah. I love that it's specifically. Dance music. I threw a whole Rebel Cupcake. So that was the body positive queer dance party I threw in New York. Okay. And I did a whole one about sad songs and sad dance songs specifically because I was like, let's dance through our heartache. I love it. Yeah, it was my throwaway August theme every year. It was just like, it was like a sad sack thing. And like, it was often one of my most popular parties of the summer because people were just like, oh, I'm in town. It's August. Let's go out on a Thursday. Yeah. And like, and then I'd be like, oh, this was my indulgent theme. <laughs> okay, everybody, let's dance for that song. Let's sweat and cry it out because it's August in fucking New York and ooh, humidity exists. Yeah. Oh my God. And like everybody's out on the, on the sidewalk. Mm -hmm. And it was usually when, uh, sometimes I would uh, have my friend Taylor perform, uh, and he plays like just sad covers, mostly Lucinda Williams songs. I love it. It's so good. I mean, I love Lucinda Williams. So if I can take a song and make it sad, it's like my truest <laughs> accomplishment. <laughs> you do a lot of good covers. Take a lot of a lot of pop songs, make them real dark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember. I did a cover. I can't remember of what, but I, I remember specifically. I sent it to Nikki, and Nikki was like, well, this seems about right. You took this and made it the saddest thing ever. And I was like, thank you so much for the compliment. Nikki is your co-host for... What the Sweet Fuck. One of your many shows. <laughs> Everything that I do, I make it a show. I mean, you... We don't have a show yet. That's true. Right? Like, you don't do everything in a show, but you have a lot of shows. If I do it multiple times, I'm probably at some point giving it a title. Yeah. 
I like an intro. Yeah. I like an outro. Yeah. You know, people yeah. keep talking. What the sweet fuck. Adventures uh-huh. in roommating. No lies detected. Bad vegans. Once more with. There's so many podcasts, shows, series. Request Tuesday. I mean, since the beginning, I've always been like, this is the thing. Wow. Your content production is really admirable. Yeah. I know. Imagine yeah. if I had a team, I would be oh my God. unreal. So I was just talking before we started recording about Gary V, who's mm-hmm. one of my favorite people to follow. Uh, but I have to remind myself all the time that his, he has a content creation team of 30. Yes. 30 full-time people work to create this man's content. Yeah. And caption his content uh-huh. and cut up smaller versions for Instagram yeah. and then do interviews with him and compare it to stuff that he posted when he was whatever, 10 years younger. Yeah. And I mean, all that it, that's, Unreal. I'm sure there's an intern whose entire job it is to, j- is to just watch and catalog his archives. I'm sure. Which is brilliant. I wish I had someone to do that. It's so smart because I, I just imagine the feeling of that. Of like, you never have to carry around. Like, I mean, there's another side of the pressure of that, which is, and I was thinking about this the other day about like basically kind of what we're all doing, which mm-hmm. is there's always this pressure that we're always going to have to keep being more brilliant. Mm-hmm. I feel like we're always going to have to keep like, saying things that make sense to people in a relatable way but feels new but also is like from old wisdom it's a lot of fucking pressure dude okay or you can reframe which is i think you do this anyway which is you get one percent better every day there you go so do i Mm -hmm. you're a big reader i'm also a reader like i've also like adapted this like really intentional reading habit every single day Mm -hmm. and i think recently you have too, like going to the park with your little pup and reading little baby dog i mean at a minimum if you read you grow, and um, I'm not going to edit out that cough. That's fine. Take it. <laughs> I'm not going to edit it out either. So, But if you read, you grow, and also, mm-hmm. like, you're constantly evaluating your life and, like, learning from what's happened. I mean, I've only known you, like, maybe two years, and, like, I've seen you grow. Oh, thank you. So, like, no matter what, you're going to say more brilliant stuff because you're getting smarter. And Gary always says, you're only as good as your last at bat, which is a lot of pressure. That is a lot of pressure. But I think that our last at bat, like, is either a lesson or uh, a great success, right? Like, a lesson or a milestone. Okay. Right? I like that. That's that's how I look at it from this place of, like, trying not to be a self-abusive Capricorn. Yeah, I was going to say, or it's the last story that you put up yesterday and how many views it got and how many (laughs) shares it got compared to everyone else. I, uh, my metrics are are still tanking. (laughs) It's true. Oh, this is the drowning podcast. Everyone's drowning. (laughs) Everyone's drowning. (laughs) I don't care though. Like what I think I'm doing is like, I'm vibing out people who don't resonate with what I have to say. I've made a lot of really intentional shifts about how I'm sharing about my life. I've been sharing a lot more about my spirituality and God and like cannabis and like Mm -hmm. really being intentionally out about those things because I felt like i felt like I had to hide them because it was too, I, I, I felt like it might alienate people. Interesting. And yeah. I just, I'm done be, babying people. And mm-hmm. like, if people want to show up and, and consume what I have to, to give, because a lot of what I do is free content online, that's great. Mm-hmm. And if people want to boss up and be a leader and show up and move with me and like, you know, join my Patreon, which I always like to remind people during the podcast, Patreon is a hybrid of, a crowdfunding site and a membership site where you get benefits at tiers for supporting creators like me and like you. You also have a Patreon. So many Patreons. You do actually <laughs> multiple Patreons. <laughs> I'll tell you what, taxes aren't fun, man. I sitting down and trying to split up everything that you made because you should have been paying attention the whole year, but you didn't, and you don't know where the money went, but it did. Um, yeah. yeah, there were like three Patreons. I had to go through and be like, okay, who got what? Who got this ten ninety nine? 
you know? Oh, my God, yeah. I, you said something the other day that really, like, changed my life. <laughs> and I've repeated it a couple times. Because you said, like, the reason why you procrastinate about doing your uh, bookkeeping mm-hmm. is because it requires you to do a lot of work to figure out how much money you made, which still wasn't enough for how hard you worked. Yeah. And Although I will say that, I said that and that, that is entirely true. First of all, I feel like since a young, young age, I've hated math and I've decided that I'm bad at math, right? Which I should reframe, mm-hmm. but I just very clearly remember third grade not getting fractions, apparently, and having to have like an after-school meeting and it just scarred me. <laughs> And I decided math will never be for me, like, from that moment on. So anything that deals with, like, numbers, addition, mostly subtraction, I don't like any of that. Um, So that stresses me out. And then I think it's also just, there's a fear, I mean, I need to get over it, but there's that fear of, like, if I start really evaluating how much money I am making or I should be making, am I, is that going to fuck with the passion that I have for what I'm doing? Like, am I going to start really getting in my head about, like, okay, we're 33 or whatever it is now. We need, you know, whatever bullshit that we kind of get passed down of, like, you need to have it all together now. Um, is the dream going to become less dreamlike? But, I, but with this year in taxes and all that stuff, I basically broke even, and so for me, my initial feeling was, oh, I probably shouldn't, I should feel bad about that. Like, it was like a weird question in my head of like, oh, that's not, you're supposed to make more money and invest and like have, but I realized, no, I paid for my rent. I had food, probably too much Postmates. You know, we, when I looked at that number specifically, I was like, oh, <laughs> fuck. Wow. Okay. We got to stop that. Yeah. Um, um, and kept the dog alive for another year. Here we are, Margo. Mm-hmm. We're doing well. And I had my time. Yeah. Like that was the biggest thing is like, yeah, I was working a lot and I made a lot of stuff, but ultimately I had entire days where I didn't work Mm -hmm. or I had hours in between doing things where I could go to the park or watch a movie. I mean, not if I had a normal job, I wouldn't be able to watch three hours of medium season five in the middle of the day, you know, and then just get back to work. It wouldn't make sense. So that's the trade-off, I think, is like, yeah, maybe I didn't make a lot of money, but I made enough to live and I had my time to do the things that I wanted to do, which is, you know, unmeasurable, I feel like. Yeah, and also, like, I mean, time is an important part of freedom because mm-hmm. most people who have money don't have their time. That is true. And uh, I, I want them both. I'm, I'm I want a them both, bitch. too. I want them both. I'm, I do, too. I'm, I'm seeking my time and my money. Um, but also, like... I think it's important to recognize self-deception. I think you really talked about that. Like that's part of I think why I don't like doing my bookkeeping because it's self-deception. If I don't know how little money I made, then I always <laughs> feel rich. <laughs> or I always like low-key know I'm broke, but like I will like indulge in like whatever dumb little thing. Like having been, it's so interesting because like when I was with my ex, like we were constantly stressed about money. Like that was just a yeah. constant like lifestyle habit. She's a real stress person mm-hmm. um, and so like that was just low-key always and I'm like wow but we were so rich when we were together <laughs> I'm like I'm <laughs> eating on like less than five bucks a day like that's yeah. a whole like I haven't had Postmates and uh, my friend was over a couple days ago and we did DoorDash and it was the first time I had gotten delivery food in months I mean also the price between like when you get Uber Eats and Postmates is so aw- like Uber Eats is so much cheaper I found but you have to like walk out to get the food so it's like you have to make the decision of do I want them to come to the door 
or do I have to walk out to the yard? <laughs> and I've there have been times where I'm like, it's worth the extra $10. I don't want to move or put pants on. And then I end up going outside anyways because I can't find where the fuck I live, even though I've written very explicit instructions because I've been through this many times. And so I end up outside anyways paying 10 extra dollars for the thing that I didn't want to do. Wow, I can't believe Postmates is 10 extra dollars. It's not always, but like, you know, let's just say that you were ordering some McDonald's fries. Yeah. I find that it's at least $10 cheaper on Uber Eats than Postmates. And I don't know if it's just because Postmates is like, yeah, this costs way, way more, or they're just adding on fees. I have no idea. I think Postmates is just adding on fees and not so. paying their drivers, let's be As honest, well. about these gig yeah. economy things. Like, there you go. They're not, they're not paying very well either. There you go. So always the fries, your the fries taste so much better when someone else brings them to you. Because yesterday I got them and just didn't taste as good. Oh, when like you they went, weren't brought to me with love and care. You know? Really? Yeah. Wow. What a water sign. <laughs> I like them fresh from the from the from the drive through. It depends on salt. Depends on how high I am. Yeah, and fair enough. You know, enough. I can anything can be fresh when you're high <laughs> enough. <laughs> it's so true. I love that. Like I grew up. Oh, I grew up in the Midwest. I'm from Michigan. And uh, I grew up with like, first of all, I remember D.A.R.E. when I was a kid. Remember D, I won't do drugs. A, won't have an Uh attitude. R, I will respect myself. E, I will educate me now. There's an entire song. Do you know that? Um, I do know that there's a song. I never learned it, but I love that you remember the acronym. It's terrifying. It's a terrifying song to listen to. It's like a choir of children singing about how they won't do drugs. And it's so scary sounding. How did you move into to absorbing cannabis as like a healing modality um, after all that D.A.R.E. education. Oh, well, not only D.A.R.E. education, but I, I got a medal in, at, because I wrote a speech about how I would never do drugs or alcohol <laughs> <laughs> when I was like in fifth grade. And then I had to read it in front of my school, and then they gave me and like a few other kids medals. Wow. I just wanted the medal. I yeah. just wanted to like win... <laughs> You know, absolutely. And so I I won. Yeah, I won. (laughs) Meantime, I'm like growing up with a bar in my basement that my parents have not locked, and I have a sibling who's definitely getting drunk much, much too young. And I am just—he's your younger brother too. He's my younger brother. Wow. My brother was like a partier. Like we grew up in Aries. We grew up. He was like the partier. We kind of get. We all we all got good grades, but he was just like kind of just reckless, right? Uh huh. You know, How there's, old was there's, he when he was drinking? Oh, I hope as I, as I get him grounded. Um, <clears throat> can you be grounded when you're in your 30s? Probably. Um, I don't remember the exact age. Everyone is like, everything that I talk about is either I w- somewhere between five years old and 14. Okay. Like, it's just, you know, it's all over the place. Mm-hmm. But definitely we were tasting alcohol young, like trying it out. But I remember not liking it, obviously, and just kind of being like, I want to mix everything. And so I would take all the bottles and just mix everything and not tell anyone. Like, I thought I was a little bartender, and I can't imagine that anything tasted good. I'm like, oh, this vodka goes in this whiskey, right? Like, what are these unmarked glass bottles? Anyway, so I had early experiences with alcohol. Didn't love it. And then I didn't, I smoked weed once when I graduated high school with other kids from my National Honor Society, like, group. We all got in the basement of my friend's, or basement of my friend's house, and we got high, and I just remember sitting on the couch feeling like I was on a roller coaster, and I think I kept saying it, because I definitely remember one girl in the group being like, you gotta shut the fuck up. (laughs) Like, (laughs) if you don't stop talking about it, I'm gonna come over there, and so I stopped talking about it. It wasn't a great experience, and then I smoked again 
like behind a water heater when I graduated college, a bunch of us, again, in a basement, um, smoked some weed. And then I remember my roommate driving me home and me being semi-convinced, I think mostly because it was funny in my head, but also I was, you know, I was out there that the the traffic cones looked like little baby drafts. And I just kept saying it. <laughs> That's delightful. And then we got home and I remember I was like, I was like going to sleep on the couch, but I required things. I was like, this is what I require. And I like made her bring out like my laptop, my notebook, put it next to me, mm. a cup with water, my toothbrush. And I was like convinced I was going to write a song or like, I don't know what I was going to do. I think I wrote like one word on a page and went to sleep. And I think the next day was like Mother's Day or Father's Day or something going on. Wow. Yeah. I remember that going to like admire. That stoned going to bed. Laptop. I need all of journal, it. Journal, cup of water. <laughs> yeah. Just in case. Just in case. Uh-huh. And uh, and then those were my two experiences, and I didn't just never revisited it. And then when I moved to Los Angeles, when I was uh, I was just turning twenty seven, uh, my roommate that I was moving in with did it more casually than I did. And I think at the beginning he was kind of like, "Oh, I'm gonna do this in my room," blah blah. And then it just became more of an open thing. And then I would try it. Um, and then eventually we are where we are, which is now I love it. Um, and I also remember like early days going on tour where I, I would tour with a friend of mine and he constantly was like, he didn't want me to smoke or do anything. He was like, you're going to ruin your fucking angel voice. And so he was just like, kind of like a big brother in the sense that he just would not, even if I came close to it, he did not make it a pleasant experience. So there was no reason to do it. Mm. And, uh, and you know, and then he just gave up on me eventually and was like, we'll just go, (laughs) go do whatever you're going to do. It's better for my podcast voice, you know, Uh, get a little rasp, a little rasp in there. Yeah. Um, so do you, so you have a chronic back injury. You have like not plump discs. I have a chronic back situation that was confirmed, but then unconfirmed. Oh. So it's kind of like a weird, who knows what, I don't know how to, this is the quickest way to explain it. When I was like 23 or 24, I had, uh, my back went out and then it just like never went back in. Like I would, I, something that I thought was like, oh, you know, you throw your back out for a weekend. It became like a month of me crying and not being able to walk, not being able to move. And I didn't have health insurance. So I was going to a chiropractor and that was torturous, but like it helped. And he took x-rays. And I remember at the time he was like, you, your back looks like you're, you're in your thirties and you ride horses. (laughs) And I was like, well, I'm neither of those things. And I do neither of those things. So um, at that point, he basically prescribed like weight loss and glucosamine. That was, yeah. <laughs> and it turns out. And I wasn't great at taking the glucosamine, but I was like, I was like, okay, well, if this is the thing I have to do, let's do it. Yeah. And so I lost a lot of weight really quickly. And, um, and then my back went out again. Okay. And because of course, now looking back, I'm like, well, there was not, nothing was changing. I mean, yeah, it was gonna be maybe easier for me to lift myself up when it went out, but I wasn't gaining any strength. There was nothing. Yeah. I was just wasting away. All the muscle and fat was going together. Yeah. And um, and so, yeah, that was like kind of struggle, like especially even moving to Los Angeles in the beginning of just trying to figure out like, okay, what do I, what do, I do to manage this pain? And it would go away for a long time and then inevitably something would happen and it would come back. And then uh, I went to a doctor last year because it was like the first year I had health insurance that wasn't specifically Medi-Cal because I had a horrible experience with Medi-Cal. Although maybe I'll be back on it after this year's taxes. <laughs> Uh, where I went in and the doctor like refused, he wouldn't get a bigger cuff for my blood pressure. 
the blood pressure cuff. Wow. So he was just like, he was just like making it a whole process that he would have to change this out and like, you know, by hand put the fucking screws in. Like he goddamn welded the thing himself. I mean, it was so weird. And, and then, and then he made me hold, he wouldn't do it. He made me hold the blood pressure cuff closed with my hand. And then from that was like, you have high blood pressure. And I was like, well, first of all, this is not how science works. Yeah. I know that. My brother's a nurse. So this is not, I watch ER. This, and this is why I watch fucking ER and Grey's Anatomy, because I know now. This is incorrect, <laughs> sir. And, uh, and I was like, okay, well, what are my options? And he wanted to put me on medication. And I said, well, I would like other options. That's not, I'm not interested in that. And so I was like, okay. Went on his whole, probably weight loss. I was just like out of it by this point, just mm-hmm. checking out, trying to figure out like how much more time is in the meter. Like, yeah. And so I went out and I was waiting for, I don't know what, from the front receptionist. And she handed me a a thing and it was a prescription for heart medicine. And I was like, no, I said, or like blood pressure medication. And I was like, I didn't, I don't want this. And I kind of walked out and just ripped it up and was like, okay, well, that's a fail. I'm not going to go back and do that again. And then recently, the past year I had health insurance and I went and uh, everything was, Margo, are we waking up? What's going on? Hi. She's like, wait, am I in a place right now? Am I sleeping? Uh, I wish you guys could see. Margo's just passed out, laying up against me. I'll put a little little pick. Yeah, just living her life. Um, And he did another x-ray, and they said they didn't see anything remarkable. Now, I know at this point that an x-ray is not going to show you what you need to see for degenerative discs. Mm -hmm. It's, um, I think, an MRI. It's what you actually need. But no one in this entire scenario that's worked in the medical industry has ever said, maybe we should get an MRI. They're kind of just like, well, you're fat, so you should probably lose weight. Your BMI is this. Um, Which, by the way, for those of you who don't know, BMI was actually invented by insurance companies. It actually has no measure of health, and it has been scientifically proven to be BS. And so health at every size, that's science. Yeah. And if you go to a health practitioner or anyone who relates to your body, and ask them, do you follow health at every size, or do you believe in health at every size, or do you practice health at every size, and they say no, go find a different, better doctor there you who go. can treat your actual body. There okay. you go. Continue. Um, yeah, so it kind of makes you lose trust in yeah. a system that there's honestly no reason to trust. Yeah. And, um, and then I, after that, I think a few months after that, I went on a trip for, so I do this thing every year called the day for Margaret for my grandma. So it's the day that she passed away. I basically go and like, and there's probably gonna be a day for Margaret or Mar- Margot. Margot at some point. Margot the dog is named after Margaret the grandma. No, it I just, mean, it just worked out that it way. It worked out that way, but in my head, in your head, yeah. It's how like it's Margot, <laughs> Megan. I like that. It's a lot of M's. Margaret. Yeah. And I think I'll continue that trend. Like I think if I, when I get another dog, mm-hmm. um, I, I could see it being a Margot the second. Yeah. Or there's another name that I also like for a little little boy dog, but I'm gonna name my next two dogs the names I didn't name Macy. Oh, there you go. I like that. It's like naming him after her, but I like that. Kind of like the leftovers from the first great dog. I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there'll never be anyone as great as Macy or Margot. Yeah, just, they're the they're number one. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went on this trip with my friend Michelle. I do a podcast with my friend Michelle called No Lies Detected, and. Uh, we have a whole story of how we met years ago as musicians and then she moved to LA and we reconnected and she's, she does everything. Don't we all do everything? She's okay. like a Reiki, uh, Reiki master, tarot card reader, vocal coach, um, incredible musician, incredible singer, incredible writer. And, uh, we went on this trip together and it was just filled with, um, drama, like in the sense of 
we go up to the woods and Margot starts having like syncope. So Margot starts passing out and ah, so I'm not, of the elevation. yeah, cause the elevation. Oh. So I'm stressed about that. Oh, baby um, it's also, I mean, it's the, the day my grandma died. So it's like, there's already emotions going into that. Um, Michelle and I are, we're doing this entire game, even though we don't know each other incredibly well, we're doing this entire question game. I can't remember what it's called. Um, we're asking each other like really deep questions and then we're just high and we're just going on these entire, you know, rants or like just insights that we're having that we're like channeling about each other and it's great. And so I start asking her about Reiki and she gets up and she's talking about Reiki and she's talking about like, you know, the symbol that she does before she opens everything and blah, blah, blah. And, and what we realized later is that she never closed anything off. So she's showing me something and then she doesn't close herself off and we go to sleep. And the next day is a day for Margaret. We're going about like making lunch and we're hanging out. And then there's a very clear shift that happens. And I have footage somewhere I need to like actually go through where I'm like filming me and Margot. And then you hear Michelle kind of go, Margot. And she says it in this way that's just very, it's not her voice. Now my grandma is Southern. Mar Michelle's never met my grandmother. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was just very weird. And I turned off the camera at that point and Margo, or Michelle, there's so many M's, Jesus Christ. Michelle is like looking out the front of the house because of course the creepiest thing we could do in the middle of the woods as two women is have a fucking glass house that's just pointed out into the endless woods, which is terrifying at night when you've been watching scary movies and talking about scary things. This is why I don't do those things. Yeah. Oh, and I also should preface that bef the night before, we... Uh, we were having a conversation, of course, Scorpio uh, and Sagittarius, about what would happen if someone broke into the house while we were sleeping. Why would you? I why? don't know why I do this. I want to just tell the, the listenership out there, you always have choices. <laughs> so if you are doing something intentionally, like if you just clock yourself, check yourself, yeah. I'm scaring myself right now, yeah. you, you can choose to stop. I mean, anyway, you didn't choose to stop. Keep going. Didn't you didn't choose to stop. I don't jump out of planes, but I talk about scary shit in scary situations. So you love murder, murder shows. shows. I love murder shows. All the time. Murder shows. So often. I don't even watch the news. I, yeah, I don't watch the news either, but I love a murder show, um, <laughs> which are often based off the news. Yeah. So uh, the, the night before, we're talking, whatever, we have this scenario of like, if something happened, and Michelle's like, I wouldn't yell out for your name or anything. Cause she was sleeping like above in this little loft area. She's like, I would text you and we would have to have something so that I would knew it was you and you were okay downstairs. Um, we had this conversation, whatever. So now I'm already, my, my mind's already in this kind of like paranoid, you know, what if someone breaks in and we hear this like, um, like tapping, in the kitchen. Now the kitchen is set up where all the, the plates and the, and the glasses and everything are all separated. So there's nothing touching each other. There's nothing in the sink. It's weird. And I kind of look at Michelle and she's like, did you hear that? And I go, I heard that. And I'm looking at her and I see her eyes start to get really wide and she's kind of like covering her mouth. Now I am like in full panic mode. Cause I'm like, what the fuck is she sensing what's going on? Yeah. And she looks at me and she's like, um, there's like a male energy. There's a, there's a whatever. And I'm thinking there's, there's a dude outside and she is like honing in on some kind of fucking like a, like a heat seeking missile, just like senses this dude outside of our part or whatever. And that we're, we're dying. She's like, she looks at me, obviously realizing I'm freaking out. And she's like, no, 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 not that. It's like here, it's not bad. And then she starts talking about it. And then we hear another 
that kind of thing happened. And I'm like, what the fuck? And she gets up and she like walks down the dark hallway that I can't see her. I'm, I'm like in a horror movie right now, just on, on every level. And so we've already had this kind of experience where she's like, it's just energy. It's like, she's like, I don't know if it's someone that was just here before us or if it's someone connected to whatever. It's not bad. It's just, it's just here. So we're already having like a spooky little weekend. So the next day she's looking out the window and she just shifts a little bit and she starts talking to me and I don't know exactly what she's saying, but I'm crying. I'm like tearing up because whatever she's saying, and I remember parts of it, it's like about my back. Mm. She's talking about my back and there's still a choice. There's still a choice. She's like, there's a reason why they can't find things, um, that you're feeling the pain, but you can't find it. There's still a choice there. And other things, and the, the way she's talking to me is just making me tear up. And then after it's done, she starts crying. And she's like, I wasn't even here. She's like, I was inside of myself, and your grandmother was here. And I was like, I was seeing you, and I was trying to yell to you, like, Megan, pay attention. She's here. Just an incredible, incredibly weird, but an incredible experience. And she kind of takes a minute. And I think I filmed this part afterwards. And she's like, do you want to hear what I have to say? Like, what I kind of picked up. And she starts going to this whole thing about my mom. And she's like, there's a reason. She's like, your grandma was your mom's mom? And I go, yeah. And she's like, there's a reason why you and your grandma were so connected. She's like, there were a lot of things that she felt guilty about with your mom, that she maybe if she had done something differently, your mom wouldn't be in the situation that mm -hmm. she's in. Yeah. And she had a second chance with you. And uh, it was just, yeah, and, and a few other things, but just basically kind of gave me this insight of like, you still have a choice. Nothing's set in stone yet with your back, with your life, with anything. And there are things that you just need to pay attention to, to look at, to make sure that you're not going down the same road. Um, because I think the fears that I have of like turning into <clears throat> my mom and just the situation that she's in that she can't get out of, or she's choosing not to get out of, um, there's a fear that I have of, of doing that. And I think that holds me back in some ways. And so just understanding that like, yes, that is a road, but ultimately like, regardless of what I do, it's going to be different just by proxy of where I am in my life. And where I'm living and all these things that I've already done that are so different than what my mom did. Yeah, absolutely. Your mom is still married to an a-hole <sighs> in Michigan that you don't even talk to anymore. No, I haven't spoken to him in like four years. Yeah, which, you know, there's a whole backstory and there's a lot of info on <laughs> Tanjus's uh, YouTube channel. <laughs> yeah, a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of getting... I got disowned on Father's Day. Well, it was because you <clears throat> told him the truth the day before, and he didn't yeah. want to hear the truth. He didn't like it. He, uh, you know, I was like, "Listen, Dad, <laughs> you fucked up a lot of things, and I love you, but you need to fix them in order to be a part of my life." And his response was, "Fuck you, bitch. Uh, don't ever speak to me again. Forget that you're my daughter. I'll forget that I'm your father." And I hope you like it, just like a bunch of calling me out of like, oh, you and your little Hollywood life. I mean, just such animosity towards me. Yeah. And my dad and I had never. At the time, I would have said my dad and I have never fought. I would, illegitimately. But looking back at my childhood, I'm like, oh no, he was abusive. We were definitely fighting. Yeah. But I didn't. I couldn't fight back in yeah. the way that I wanted to. It wasn't until I was an adult where I could kind of talk back that we had like a a measure of understanding. I felt. Um, and that was as close as I could get to him. So that felt like a love situation. Um, 
But you watch someone do horrible things for long enough to people that you love, and you start to see them very, very differently. And they do not like to be reminded of how you see them. Well, no, because part of like maintaining abuse is self-deception, mm-hmm. right? Like whether it be self-abuse or abuse of others, mm-hmm. and it's about like maintaining like the reality you need to like maintain your sort of fragile house of cards. Yeah, and and I think that he is used to um, throwing a tantrum or being in control of everyone financially, so that he can go so far, and people can be upset, but they can't be that upset because at the end of the day he will threaten them or it'll be a big deal. And I think that's a big reason why he does not like me is because I I broke out of that and I dare to speak back to him Mm -hmm. and not be afraid of what he was going to do or not do. Uh, And then my mom was going to divorce him and there was a whole thing. I mean, she came to visit me and like no one knew and um, and I got really sick when she was here because it was just like, I think the stress of it, I think just like, Watching the story take place, watching the things he would text her, and then listening to her tell that story again and again to all of her friends back home, and then us talking about it, um, it just was not good for me. And then we didn't talk for a while, and she went back home, and they're still together, and I think they're in Florida right now <laughs> on a vacation. I don't know. And so, it's yeah, it's a, it's a very weird situation to be in. My brother is getting married. Oh. So he just got engaged, and so now that's a thing I'm thinking about of like, yeah, everyone's still in Michigan, and so there's still this kind of like, okay, well, I'm gonna have to go home at some point, and it's I will say that being disowned itself is kind of great. It's kind of great. It's like one less, (laughs) one less person to worry about at Christmas, one (laughs) less like phone call to answer. It's kind of great. It's like, okay, I got you the parent thing when I needed it. Okay, cool. Like I don't need that anymore specifically, but when the rest of your family that you're still trying to be connected to uh, enables it or is just surviving it, right? Um, It's so hard to connect with them in the same way or to trust. Like normally you would go, and this maybe this is something that I'm learning as I get older, is like you feel like you go to your mom at a certain point in life to be like, okay, help me figure this out. And I'm kind of looking at my mom like, why would I go to you to help me figure anything out? Like, we're both drowning. You're drowning more than I am right now. I need to figure out how to get myself to land. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it's just very, I feel like I've become very complacent about my family. Um, and even my extended family, I'm kind of just like, I don't, if I I, I, I almost exist as if my family's dead. I mean, I don't think you're complacent about your family. I think that you have strong boundaries because you need to, like, figure out your identity outside of them and you need to maintain your mental and emotional health and they are not making choices that support your mental and emotional health or their mental and emotional health that's a good way of looking at it yeah I I think I think there's recently I've had a few conversations where like I've kind of jokingly said but I'm also like I don't know I'm like am I a bad person because because I think growing up I had a very a pretty small family and in the it's Midwest, just the four of you, in the Midwest, yeah, it's the four of us, and then I have like some cousins and stuff like that. But um, it, when I lost my grandma, I feel like for me that was like a big, it was a big loss, but it was um, my big connection to that family. And then um, losing my dad in that situation, that's another loss of connection to everyone. And um, I, I think that like even being in the Midwest, there's kind of this like, we're all. Your, your family is so important, you have to, and once I kind of moved out to LA, I feel like it started to make me feel even more independent. 
I don't really, I didn't go home for holidays. I don't think I've ever been home for a holiday since I moved out here seven years ago. Mostly because of finances, because who the fuck has the money to fly home during that season? I mean, unless somebody's paying. Right? And my family is not paying. Mm -hmm. So um, I guess it just, that wall kind of naturally built up of I'm trying to figure out my own life. And then with everything that's happened with my parents, it's like, and, and being in a situation where I was a friend to my mom, <clears throat> I was having conversations with her about the people he's cheating on her with and, mm. and all these things in a way that I didn't get to be the kid anymore. And I, and I accepted that. I chose that. You know, I knew I filled in the role knowing that she needed someone to talk to. And I was like, well, out of me or my brother, I'm the one that's oldest and I can deal with this. How and, old were you when that started happening? Um, 20, maybe 28. Okay. Well, at least you weren't 13. Yeah, I wasn't 13. I mean, because it's a form of abuse to put your kid yeah. in the role of an adult when they're still Yeah, I was an adult when, yeah. it, when it happened. But I think, now, again, looking... Because I have every day, it's like you discover new things, um, or you realize old patterns. I think that I had always kind of been that, you know, in some way. Or there had always been an element of like, okay, I just need to figure out what the adults are doing, and so that I can position myself in a way that I'm okay and not upset anyone too much. But like also, you know, and so yeah, I think that that was replicating as an adult. Um, and then I found myself in a situation where I started to feel like I'm in this fucking relationship. Mm. Why am I more hurt and angry about the things that are happening to you than you are? And I'm, I feel like I'm trying to save someone, but it's not even because I'm trying to save my mom. It's like I'm trying to save myself. Oof. Because if it were up to me, we wouldn't be speaking to him anymore. Yeah. But we keep speaking to him. Yeah. And so it's hard to have a, the depth, and again, triple water, Scorpio, <laughs> the depth of conversation and understanding I want to have with someone when there's an entire part of their life that we can't talk about yeah. because it's not going to change. Yeah. And there is some resentment there of like, I'm your kid. Like, I know what you're going through and I have so much empathy, but also like, look what dad's doing to us. Mm -hmm. And I'm the only person that's like, I'm like the black sheep of the family now. I don't come home for anything and everyone has their perceptions of it because I can't talk to anyone because no one can know the truth. And now that my family is starting to know the truth, it's almost like too late for me, which is, I don't feel, I feel neither here nor there about it. It's just kind of like I had to build up all these walls so that I didn't spill this secret. Mm -hmm. And now the secret's out, but I've been in the trenches of it. Yeah. And it's still not changing. So I'm, I got to continue on doing whatever I'm doing. Absolutely. I was born to a man in the winter of Lost at sea. Yeah.
I remember like when you started, because you started with Better Health. I did. I just recently switched my therapist though, because I just felt like I wasn't really getting, I wasn't getting much from the person that I was seeing and that was helping me. Like it, at a certain point, it was just like, I'm just telling the story, but I'm not really, I'm getting more from other people outside of this. Okay. As far as like looking at things in a different way or framing things in a different way. And so I just switched it up recently, but so I went to pride counseling, Yeah. which is a division of better help. It's just targeted for gays basically. Yeah. And, um, I remember cause I was inspired cause you had started going to better help and I was like, Oh, that sounds like a good idea. Um, just because app based therapy kind of cuts a lot of the BS out. Like I can sit with my cat while I talk to my therapist, which makes a huge difference. Yeah. I don't have to put pants on. Yeah. I don't have to, like when I was seeing a therapist in New York, I had to, it was the longest commute I had in my whole life of all the things I did was schlepping to Lincoln Center to see my therapist. I don't want to be like on the subway crying after a therapy session. I would go emotionally eat at Whole Foods afterwards because it was right <laughs> across the street. Yeah. And like, but it was the first time I'd really like been in therapy for like a full year and it really mm -hmm. changed everything about my perception of my life when I was younger. My therapist was great. Mm -hmm. um, but I think one of the most empowering things people can do is change therapists when it doesn't work for them. Yeah. And I love that like better help makes it easy to change yeah. your therapist. You really just tap, tap, tap. And you can like, and I went through on. three before I found Andrew, who I'm still seeing, and he's mm -hmm. left uh, the app and now we see each other privately. And now we're going to switch to coaching, okay. quote unquote, because I'm moving out of state. So he can't see me as a therapist. I like that. So, and thank God, because like the idea of leaving um, and having to deal with a move transition and all the stuff I've been going through and having to teach someone about my life again, mm -hmm. like, and also Andrew gives me little ahas, at least like every other session, like there's some profound thing he lands yeah. that like changes how I perceive my life. I think, yeah, therapy has been, is interesting. I'm still not like it's important and it's helpful, but I still, there's a part of me that's still resistant to it. It's the little Scorpio inside of me. It's just like, I don't want to tell anyone anything. I just want to deal with it on my own. Why does anyone know anything better than I do about myself? But it's like, it's just, you know, it's like, I don't want to go to the depths and tell you what I do because there's a demon inside of here and I can't quite tell you what the demon does, you know, like, um, so I, there's still a part of me that resists it, but I'm pushing past it. And I also share a lot online. I think that's been a big part of my therapy was writing music for a long time, which I want to get back into because I think that that's also what's missing. Yeah. Um, and I miss what I miss about music is when I talk about my feelings on Instagram or any of those other places, there's there's still um, there's an audience feedback situation that happens where people really want to ask a lot of questions and know more and you can misspeak and then you have to explain like the people want you to explain it and there's not that freedom that music has where I can just say something in a way and it can be interpreted however it's going to be interpreted and that's okay. Um, it doesn't have to necessarily be about me, even though it is about me. And I, I miss that a little bit. I miss kind of making um, something artistic that no one really knows the entire story except for me, but there are lines and there are things in it that people get a, a hint of it. And there's less, not I don't want to say less responsibility, but... A little bit less responsibility yeah. than talking about it directly from my mouth to a camera. Yeah. I mean, I think there's benefits to both. And I think when you blend them, I feel like you got a really good compliment from the sound guy at your New York gig. 
who said yeah. that you did the best like banter between yeah uh, he did because like, I forgot you, about that you have both like you have the banter and you have the charm and you are so charismatic Thank but you. then also like you're a very talented songwriter and like a really beautiful singer. Thank you. And and you have all that Scorpio, so of course you know how to talk all about feelings. Scorpio, yeah, yeah, Just and crying through my set, but making it funny. Absolutely, <laughs> and like relatable. Yeah, and you know, as opposed to the twelve year old me that was like, I don't feel anything. I'm not gonna cry. Oh my God. Now I think, so yeah, I know. Just yeah, well, I, yeah, toxic, but also I, I just think uh, I didn't have any adults to stand up for me. I didn't. I really yeah. didn't. Like and you my, didn't have good emotional health examples. I didn't, and uh, I think I was just trying to fill in that role of like, okay, I will be a badass about myself, and that's probably where my sense of humor came from. I'll make the joke first. I'll be snarkier. I'll always be funnier, mm-hmm. and it was a way of having a shell around me so that no one can hurt me because I've already I've already done it and you can't do it anymore I mean that's a classic fat gay move like when you are young and fat and yeah. gay and you have shit to hide or shit to be scared of about what people are going to judge you about you get real funny you become charismatic and funny <laughs> because it's a survival mechanism yeah. it is the truth there are also There's me... a lot of boring thin blonde people <laughs> there really are yeah and I, I think it also, um, it let me kind of age up in the sense of like, I was allowed to just kind of be around the adults more often because I, I didn't come across as like a little kid. So I could just kind of sit there and observe everything, which is really my, my true love. I just love watching oh everyone God. and listening to everyone and just making my own opinions, but like just paying attention to the back and forth. I love that. You're like a little detective too. I remember stories I of when you were a little kid rooting through your parents' stuff. As soon as they, the door clicked shut, oh, you were like yeah. rooting through their stuff. The minute, and it's so funny when you get old enough that you can't really get in trouble anymore. <laughs> and so then you can just start telling your parents that. Like that's the funniest thing to me is when I tell my mom like things I did when she was gone. Like the minute that car door closed, I was in that closet. I was in that makeup. <laughs> I was going. I was finding out things about my dad. I, like, I was going through photo albums that were away in chests. I was finding Christmas presents. I was like, everything. I was putting it back perfectly. And I was, you know, a little paranoid me of like, you need to make sure everything is so they don't know. And um, I just wanted to know everyone's secrets and what was going on. And I was fascinated. And then uh, I also have a clear memory of like after Harriet the Spy came out. <gasps> And I got like one of those little like spiral bound like tiny little notebooks, and I remember like going around my neighborhood and like sitting down and taking notes about <laughs> like the activity outside of houses. Like there was a house in my neighborhood that, at the time, I think we—I mean, I was too young to really know what was going on—but I think we the consensus was that the people living there were like in the middle of some kind of addiction. Something was going on. The windows were blacked out. The, the activity around the house was a little suspicious. And so I just remember being a kid writing down like these notes about this suspicious activity that was happening, just sitting on a lawn, like a little 11 year old me doing who the fuck knows what, um, but convinced that I was like Harriet the Spy. Yeah. I, so lately I've been working on interacting with strangers um, okay. just out in public. It's been a, it's a, a growth area for me to be able to just like chat with someone in public like i i'm Keith a very, too this is a capricorn thing i feel like i it is it has been i was very painfully shy growing up and um now i'm really working hard on like how to make friends just everywhere i go and um so i've been you know doing some habits like putting keeping my phone away uh keeping sunglasses off and like having eyes up and like posture where nice. i'm like open and that's like the first step right and then the next step is like actually having conversations but i do highly feel recommend like, asking questions yeah that's the big one because people love to talk people about love themselves. To talk about themselves absolutely and that fills the space uh-huh. and then i always start off something by making like a like a joking um 
like a mutual uh, observation about something. Like if something funny or weird just happened, kind of looking at someone and being like, oh, a little weird. Just like something to break the ice of like, so we're both kind of like, okay. Yeah, like you're on the same team. Mm-hmm. I like that. So I've been doing a lot of Harry the Spy moments, like where I go like sit in public and just like watch. And like I've watched someone like get stood up for a date. <sighs> I have watched someone like... Um, earnestly making requests about food that were very specific like it's just so interesting like what you can observe when you like just like choose to be in that observation people are so interesting people are interesting i also like we were talking about reading earlier and uh i kind of have realized in the past few years i really love reading memoirs like biographies any creative nonfiction, something that's like rooted in it's really hard for me i finding to get into books where it's like an entirely new world and characters and it's like I, I want it to be rooted in something and there's something so fascinating about people's actual lives like I just think that there are things that happen in actual life that people don't even write about because it seems so out there but it's not because it happens yeah I'm reading Carrie Fisher right now I just read a book oh I just I really liked called so sad today <laughs> Of course you really like that. Oh, it's My like triple ass- water friend. Yeah, it's like an essay book. There's an entire section where she's like in an open marriage and she's seeing this guy and they're having like a sex conversation and she puts the sex conversation in, but the sex start going from like, I want to do this and blah, blah, blah to like, I want to like, I want to like your tweet and then unlike it as you're coming. Like, it's just like it gets into social media and it's just so weird. And I was crying because it's not like anything I've ever read, but it's it happened. So... I love essay, essay books, memoirs, and luckily everyone that I'm friends with on YouTube is writing a book, so I'm just like, let me have it. Yeah, absolutely. Did you read Marie Forleo's book? I did. How did you like it? I liked it. Yeah. I did like it. Um, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, I read it so quick, but it was helpful. I think, I feel like I, I underlined a lot of like little things that I really enjoyed. So Marie Forleo is the thought leader around business. If you are an entrepreneur in any way, highly recommend her YouTube show, Marie TV. Yeah. And she just published a book called Everything is Figure Outable, mm-hmm. which is something she's been saying for years and years. Yeah. And I actually admire someone who waits this long to like be as famous as she is to finally write the book. Because that's when you know like the book is going to land. Because like I started writing a book a long time ago and then kind of gave up because I realized I was never going to get an hourly for the amount of work I'd put into <laughs> right. it. And I kind of realized, um, oh, if I really ever want to make money off a book, I got to get more famous first. Fair. I've and, been thinking about that lately, And I too. also need a great editor and don't have an editor yet, so... Yeah, know. I was like... I mean, it's interesting, because I've been watching my friend Akila go through the process. Like, I actually went to... Um, when she got her... What are they called? Galley? Yeah, yeah, galleys. So I got, like, an early version of her book, and I got to go into the meeting and, like, just hang out. And, I'm, of course, I'm, like, secretly sitting there observing, like, oh, what are they what are they doing in yeah. this company? Um, but I... It, it made me interested in the process of like, what is it to get a book deal and get an advance and then to write something and and have that whole process of like, you're going on tour for it. And, um, that's really interesting to me, even though my background in doing music and all these other things was I always did it myself. Like I always figured out how do you print out a CD? How do I, you know, mix and master this? How do I do whatever? And, just did it out of pocket. And so it's nice because you have control over everything. Mm-hmm. And that's a little scary for me to give up any kind of like control. But I also, I like the idea of what I'm saying, getting to the biggest group of people. Yeah. And so I've been thinking about that lately. Of like, I want to start writing a book and I keep having... You already have the best title. <laughs> I have a few titles. Oh. I got a few. I mean, it could be anything. It could be... Uh, My favorite title of yours though is yeah. Fat, Blessed, and Thriving. <laughs> 
<laughs> that is a good title. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know that, that that's in my head for the book, but it's got to be for something. Maybe, I mean, I see many books, you know? I see ma- many books. Um, I see fiction books. I see memoirs. Mm. I see advice books. A young adult series. A young adult series. Mm. I see it all. I mean, I think when I, when I look back at my life, the inside of me, they're really, even though I haven't gone down the path of being traditionally like a writer, mm-hmm. um, is a writer. Because when I was young, I remember doing like a speech contest where I talked about how I wanted to be Judy Bloom. I don't think I even knew much about Judy Bloom. Like, I don't think I read enough books to really make that, but that was like the closest thing I could grab onto. And just like, Doing this speech in fifth grade, fifth grade, a lot of things were happening. I was giving up drugs and alcohol and I was saying what I wanted to do for the rest (laughs) of my life. But I had this whole like intro and I like won the round and then I think eventually I didn't win whatever the next level up was. But I was like imagining like me in my office and my assistant buzzing in to like talk about whatever book. I don't even know. But I always had that in the back of my head of like the idea of being on a lake house and writing and spending my seasons, how I want to spend my seasons, and then just like, you know, going away, disappearing for a while, coming out with like an entire book, and then living off of that has always been so interesting to me. So I'm into that. I went down, obviously, a traditional route to do that, which is making YouTube videos and (laughs) (laughs) writing music and making podcasts, as you do. I mean, I decided a long time Mm -hmm. ago I wanted a talk show, and I was like, how do I do it? And there is no path. You just have to keep... I, the Steve Martin quote, be so good that they can't take their eyes off you. That's how I live my life. So I'm just like going to keep being great, keep doing what's on my heart to do. Yeah. And try to keep things simple and like simplify and really understand like what's my 10, like what's the thing that's the highest calling, Mm. but also, you know, being kind to myself and taking great care of myself and appreciating every moment. It's hard. I think, um, I've always, there's always been a part of me that kind of beats myself up a little bit of like, you should have like one thing that you're really like going for like even in music right where it was just like I wanted to still do all these other things and I saw a lot of people that were doing music and that was it and that was the path and they got success doing that um and so I've always felt a little like oh, I'm too old for the all over the place and I do too many things but ultimately what I've noticed is a lot of the people that went down one path doing one thing and were focused on it are burned out Mm -hmm. or just like don't know how to pivot or don't know how to be anything other than that one thing that they were successful for. And so as much as I want to have these like lofty goals of like what I can be, um, life has kind of just done what it's going to do. And I, and I've just managed to, to hold on and, and hopefully follow what I'm passionate about at the time, which has worked. I mean, we broke even this year, so, you know, Listen, you're, I mean, that breaking even is better than losing money. It, I mean, I and, mean, truly. And be able to pay your taxes. That's true. Right? Like, that hasn't been true for me every year. So, <laughs> I can't, I, when I vision, because you have to, in order to achieve wealth, like, part of that is, like, visioning mm-hmm. for what happens when you have wealth. And so, whenever I vision, I'm literally on the IRS website paying off all of my years of tax debt. Like, oh I God. can't wait. I'm so excited to aggressively Yeah, those debt. back taxes. I'll get you. Ugh. This IRS is going to get this money as slowly as I could fucking give it. Oh, I'm going to give right it now. as fast as I can. <laughs> I am, I cannot wait to pay all of this off. I am drowning in debt and I'm tired of it. Yeah. It's like, I, it's like, as I'm like, I've been talking about like chipping away at my self-deception uh, mm-hmm. for the last several episodes of this podcast. You're like, let me put it all out there. I mean, it's not even about that. I think it's just about like, that's what I'm working on. And like that. that's what I love to share is like, where, where's my growth? 
Yeah. So like learning how to like not be self-deceptive about my finances because it's like when I, I have just like it's been on my heart to like share my story and help other people and like prioritize my art and activism for so many years over a career because I got so burned by being in law. Mm -hmm. And so it's like my, my hard pivot was like focusing on that. But then if you ever look at the realities of or when I look at the realities of my financial situation, I'm like, oh, crap, I need mm -hmm. an actual job. Yeah, fair. <laughs> fair. And I mean, so, it's hard too. Know. It's like with what we do, it's not, there's no one path. It's like yeah. literally you're just figuring it out and trying to pay attention to what other people have done, but knowing that regardless of what they've done, that won't work exactly that way in this moment. Yeah. And that's a lot of energy on top of just like wanting to be a creative person. And then put on top of that, I mean, at least I know for myself, I can only speak for myself. I grew up with parents that did not know how to manage money, that yeah. still don't know how to manage money. Everything was shifting from credit card to credit card and paying this off just enough so we can go to Home Depot and get this, and mm -hmm. but not letting anyone know that, kind of the outside of that just being like, but everyone's going to soccer practices and dance rehearsals, and and no one really knew the truth of that, but as I've gotten older, I've I would never had someone to sit me down and be like, okay, this is what you need to do. You need to get a Roth. I mean, everything has been me figuring it out in my thirties and not even well, just being like, this feels like that's something I'm supposed to do. But also me trying to figure out how to save enough money for the life I might have if I live to 70 or whatever, while drowning now <laughs> is fascinating. Yeah. It's like how I got paid for two lives, one that may or may not even happen. And one that's currently happening on in a world where no one wants to pay you what the worth of what you're actually doing and you have to pretend that you're getting paid more than you are because otherwise the brands won't want to pay you what you are <laughs> like it's just fascinating i mean we have so much in this like kind of american consciousness right mm -hmm. about like these leased lives because people aren't really owning what they have like people are driving leased cars living in leased houses mm -hmm. or like living in a mortgaged house, not something they actually own. The bank yeah. owns that. Like if you think about what you actually own in your life, it's probably very little. And I do own a car. I mean, I you, did pay off a car. Oh, great. Congratulations. That's Thank huge. You. Not you. having a car payment is a big deal. I did, yeah. I mean that, that has to go to student loan payments, but you know, okay. yeah, same, but you know, like, Still, like, there's just, and we're not, and the, I think the first step in all of this is just being self-compassionate mm -hmm. about the fact that we weren't taught how to run our lives. At we were all. taught these ideas of what we should do and, like, taught these ideas of, like, being a nine-to-five person. And then if you're out of that, mm -hmm. because I don't even think it's, like, choosing or wanting to be creative. I think there's a compulsion. True. And I think there is, like, because I, I, like, just it's truly just ingrained in me to want to share and to want to create and want to help make people's lives easier because yeah. other people help me make my life easier. But like I, you know, I've got the ease of body liberation and love, but not necessarily the ease of financial freedom, which I'm working towards. Yeah. We got our fat platform, you know, so yeah. we got <laughs> endless ways to talk about things to upset the internet. <laughs> as long as I'm fat, getting paid. No. Um, oh my God, if only it was that <laughs> Right, simple. I wish. If you did have to face all this other shit that constantly goes against it. Uh -huh. um, I do think that I went to school for digital media technically, but when I went to college, it was like Snapchat hadn't started, Twitter hadn't started, Facebook was college book, my school wasn't even allowed in. Like, it was a different world. I remember writing a thing about YouTube and being like, this is so weird that people are giving out their privacy like this and... And what does it say about us when we're performing in Foucault and the fucking Panopticon? Like, I was just like all in it. Ooh, and look where I am now. Say those uh, big words. Panopticon, Foucault. That's the only thing I remember from college. But 
what I, what I did learn in college was I was kind of thrown in the deep end of like, here's the prompt, figure it out. We're not going to tell you how to use the programs. We're not going to tell you what we want. Just pay enough attention to what the other architecture students that are in your class and whatever are doing and make it happen. And so I think I've just been replicating that since the inception of that, of just like, I'm just being thrown a bunch of things and then I have to figure out what feels right and what I feel like I can talk about in a way that makes sense and then just go forth. And it's an interesting journey of like, I didn't, I didn't really grow up planning like, okay, I'm going to wake up every day and make things about myself and to myself and be on camera. That was never the plan. I was like writing fan fiction and making fan videos, like very behind the scenes of things as much as you can be when you're 13 years old and making Buffy fan videos. And uh, what's your favorite Buffy episode? I mean, I'm a big Faith fan, so season three is just, I mean, it's my season. Um, Eliza Dushku. Eliza Dushku. I'm obsessed. Um, I'm trying to remember a specific episode of hers that I love. I mean, I don't remember the exact name, which I probably will remember later, but really when her and Buffy are fighting towards the end and then she gets stabbed, that's a great, great fight scene, great Eliza Eliza Dushku. That whole end, her being in a coma, I mean, spoiler alert, it's just... She's great. I was a big Faith fan. Um, uh, did you watch The Dollhouse? I did watch Dollhouse, yeah. Uh, did you love it? I did. Someone told me, someone sent me, I was living in Michigan, someone sent, I had a P.O. box, someone sent the DVDs to my P.O. box for the first season. Oh, that's so nice. And they, because I hadn't watched it. I really kind of was resistant, weirdly enough, to like watching Firefly or watching some of these other Joss Whedon things, and then I ended up loving them all. So I don't know what, I, I was just like scared to love anything other than Buffy, I feel like. And uh, they said, give it six episodes. Yeah. Six episodes is where you'll get it. And the end of the sixth episode is where there's a pretty major reveal. And I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah. And they got me. It's a good show. Dollhouse is good. Yeah. Um, I never watched, what was the other one? True Calling. I never really got into True Calling. I never watched that one. That's another one I got to get into for her. Uh, So, Tanja, this year you came out as pansexual, right? Uh, Sure. Yeah. I don't know what I did. It wasn't a formal coming out, but you did tell the internet. I'm feeling like pansexual feels... Yeah, kind of, it was like it I tried like, on a pair of pants and I could wear a pair of pants. Sometimes. Yeah, the pants the pants today are pansexual pants. <laughs> <laughs> They're demisexual, feel? pansexual. The pants. Okay, so for people who don't know what demisexual means, that means that yeah, when your your primary sexual attraction results from emotional connection. Yes. Right. Like, Which I fought. So I really again, I think it was like a. a a re- repetition of younger me being like when I first started sleeping with people being like, I feel nothing. I'm just going to, I'm in and out, whatever. But looking back, I'm like, oh no, but I was always creating some kind of emotional, there was always some kind of story happening, even with people I was just kind of sleeping with one or two times. Like I still was putting them on some kind of weird pedestal to make them seem like a person that I would be interested in. Like it was always there. I just didn't see it. And so here we are. I mean, yeah, it's it's one of those things where I was thinking about that today too. It's like I don't, I haven't really, I haven't really like set out in my Google Doc or like my Google Calendar like when I can sit down and think about my gender and my sexuality. <laughs> like I haven't, I haven't, you know, made that a priority over some of the other things that are happening. Um, but I just, I, I feel, I've most, I've been with you know cis men. That's been my experience, but um, I. I it, I can't sit here and say, like, I'm not attracted to anyone that's not, you know, like, they have to be a man or they have to be this or whatever. It's just not true because I find myself attracted to people and interested in people. But ultimately, it's almost like I don't, I almost, like, forget about sex and dating 
until like, <laughs> until literally like someone comes across my path and there's some kind of spark that I'm like, oh, this exists. Okay, cool. Like it, if someone just being in a room and being attractive is not enough for me to be like, I can notice that you're attractive, but it's not interesting to me. But I was watching, I shared um, a dance thing the other day, which was kind of like my first experience of like, oh, being like sexually attracted to a woman mm. where I, I shared this, um, oh, what is it called? I can't remember her name now. Gallon Hooks. Uh, she has a, um, what is it called? Uh, improv style, uh, freestyle competition. And my friend Ava shared this video of this girl. She gets the prompt and the prompt is, imagine that you are, you are heaven and you're meeting hell for the first time. And then slowly you start to get, you start to become influenced by hell. And so I started watching this and she's beautiful in general. Like I, I can be aware of that, but the commitment to this dance and the passion and the faith, all of a sudden I was just like, I like want to be in love with this person. Yeah. <laughs> like it was the first kind of like, oh, okay. And so I don't know. It's, it's just something that I'm still figuring out of just, I think that what's going to happen is whoever come, I come across that really strikes my interest is going to be who strikes my interest. And I'm not so concerned about what kind of body they're in or what you, any of the, I figured all that out. I figured everything else out. So it's just more of like a connection with someone. I mean, I think that's beautiful and also really more universal than the narrative of like, we're all animals and we just have sex with people yeah. who, who come across our path or like what I feel, I feel like we have this society that really wants to plug us into one size fits all. Mm -hmm. And, um, and like, I've never been one size fits all. I mean, same. so hard, same. <laughs> and also like I didn't come out. I knew I was queer when I was like 16. I did not have that language at the time, but I knew mm -hmm. I was attracted to men and women. And at the time I didn't, I wasn't aware of gender diversity of like, mm -hmm. uh, that that large spectrum between yeah outside of the binary outside of the binary mm -hmm. um and neither was i i've just i swear to god twitter has been like <laughs> the education i never had like i had no idea I, every day there's something else i didn't know about which is privilege but i i'm just like i never learned this holy shit this exists yeah and you go down a rabbit hole i and then yeah you go down the rabbit hole and i but i really am so grateful that like i've you know, given myself the permission to just explore in my life after I realized there was just a few binaries I busted in my life that I was like, oh, okay, actually. But one of the biggest things that kept me from coming out until I was 19 was that I just felt so inherently unfuckable as a fat mm. person that I was like, why in the world would I come out? Because like, who wants to even have sex with me? Mm. And that was so sad. And it was just like such a perfect way to, to describe the self-loathing that I lived in. Mm. And um, I love when people can come out even before, like, cause I came out because I had the validation of having a girlfriend. And so then I was just like shouting from the rooftops cause I was so in love with her. Um, also Scorpio. Mm. Um, I think you guys have this, no, you don't have the same birthday. You're two days apart. But um, anyway, but like being in love and infatuated and all of that, like took all of that off of me. Yeah. But like, I want to be able to live a life where I'm not dependent on other people validating who I am to, talk freely about who I am. I like that. And like to also be comfortable busting out of paradigms and binaries. And I just loved that you had that realization and shared about it. Yeah. Even though like it was casual, you were just like, Hey, here's the thing. That's true. <laughs> I didn't call any family to tell them. I was just like, here it is. If you see it, you see it. I'm thinking about these things. I mean, it was also interesting because I, I just feel like there's been so much conversation around everything, whether it's sexuality or gender in a way that I'd never had growing up. So all of a sudden it's like, 
you know, you're questioning the whole time of like, does that sound familiar to me? Does that feel familiar? I mean, I grew up just generally feeling and like being surrounded by friends that were definitely like LGBT and were just like different from me in different ways. And for me, it just was never a big deal. Like I've always been like in the ally part of things. Like I was in the GSA in college and it was just, it always just felt like this makes sense. Like why wouldn't everyone be able to love who they love and be with who they want? GSA stands for Gay Straight Alliance. Gay Straight Alliance. Okay, for those who haven't heard that before. And for a, a, mostly my description of myself has been so far so straight. <laughs> uh, Stevie, uh, someone I know on YouTube, a friend of mine. Stevie Bobby. Stevie Bobby. Adore her. Yeah, queen of the lesbians. Uh, Stevie mm-hmm. Bobby uh, made a video about YouTube crushes years ago, and I remember getting a text of like, how would you describe your sexuality? And I said, so far so straight. And I think that just, I mean, that's pretty close, straight-ish. We're also, here. you're a late bloomer, too. I didn't start having sex till I was 26. Uh-huh. So I also take that into account. I also take into account that growing up fat, there was, I didn't have um, an experience of like exploring or, uh, or feeling like I was wanted by people of the opposite sex specifically. And so um, a lot of that I've been figuring out and, and looking back and realizing like, oh, did I really like this person or was I just like the idea of being wanted by someone physically was enough to fill in all of the holes and just felt like it was, it was something, it was closer than what I imagined I could have, mm. you know? Yeah. So, you know, a lot to go through, still figuring it out, <laughs> but I just, um, I'm just open I, I, and as open, open in the sense of like, no one's getting through. No, you are a hard um, shell. It's a hard shell. There is a lot to get. There's a lot of, and, but I want to give you props because I see you just because we've known each other a couple of years and I yeah. pay close attention. Scorpio moon. Love it. Like oh, I keep God, track of my friends. Scorpio moon. Uh, and I have a, an amazing memory. So like I can like watch someone's growth and I love okay. growth. Yeah, and tell I tell me about it because I have no idea. No, I just <laughs> see you. I see you picking away at these layers and like, yeah. picking, like you have hard shells around you and it's nobody else's job to cut down those layers other than you and I see you doing it and I mm-hmm. see you like cracking them just a little bit a little more self-love a little more like tiny bit tiny bit yeah and like even this year like with the art that you're creating like I see you creating less content but higher quality and more oh, intention which I think is good yeah. like you you were still prolific like let's just re- reference the 88 podcast you have <laughs> Uh, or maybe like five shows or something. Total, yeah. Including oh, when I was doing people keep talking every day for like two years. Oh my God. Every day a YouTube video where you go through and edit so that it's a little funnier because you have yeah, those quick, quick cuts. Quick cuts. Yeah. Quick cuts. Although I've been thinking about bringing that more into Instagram stories because I think it's just easier sometimes to talk about news and stuff and pop culture when I can just like literally share the article with you and then say what I'm trying to say. So yeah. we're experimenting. Or an IGTV. IGTV. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're, ex- we're experimenting with things. But, um, I mean, yeah, people keep talking, burn me out because it was a writer. It was right going into Trump. So it was just and shootings. So all of a sudden I just remember where it was like every day was news about another shooting. And and I was like, I literally don't know what to say. And then Facebook took news out of their thing. Like they used to have like a little news side section that I would get my stories from. And they took that away. And I was like, okay, (laughs) so I got harder (laughs) to find like a mix of really weird stories and actually what's happening. So we took a little break and started doing other stuff. But People Keep Talking was um, an offshoot of me not doing music anymore after an assault. Mm. It was like me sitting around being like, I, well, I can't write because the person who assaulted me legitimately told me, put it into music. 
and I stopped writing and I thought I've all, all I've done is music really online. I mean, I've done other stuff, but music was the big thing. And people keep talking was like my lifeline of, okay, well, what else am I good at? I can talk, I can do podcasts, I can do this. And so let me just test myself and give myself some kind of goal of like, I'm going to make something every day. And that will be my, re, like, I'll get up and I'll make something. And that'll be like, what gets me out of bed? And so it, it served its purpose. It did what it was supposed to do. And now I just have to shift it and grow into whatever else it's going to become. Oof. I mean, I'm glad. I'm lot, proud man. of you for shifting. Yeah. And then, yeah, I think just, yeah, I was, I was talking about the fat thing growing up and, and I think gender and stuff has been interesting to me. And I, again, it's like one of those things where I put out, I kind of put out that. And then I was like, but I didn't really think about it afterwards. Like I didn't take the time to really like sit down and really break anything down. And I think it'll just, everything's going to reveal itself to me the way it's going to reveal itself. And I just gotta be patient. Cause my, I love to like rush forward and get all the answers and like know everything before everyone else. And I think the big test for me is just letting things happen and just like trusting that I'm going to be okay regardless of it and just trusting that I've always figured my way out of situations and I've always found the words to say what I need to say and not trying to like, you know, do all the homework before it's given out in class. And I think that it's one of my things that I've been thinking about here and there is just my relation to gender and not really understanding if I, me thinking, me feeling more she, they is is in some way influenced by the fact that I didn't grow up being socialized in the same way as other girls because I was already on the outside being fat. Mm. Like a, gr a group of girls to me was terrifying mm -hmm. because that's a, I'm around a group of people that are talking about their bodies, talking about their weight, saying things that are definitely like hurtful to me, talking about me probably when I leave. And so I didn't like being in that space. And so when I was growing up, a lot of my friends were guys um, a lot of gay men and, um, yeah, just, I, I think people that felt like misfits and out and outcasts in general, those are the people, theater, choir, you know? Yeah. And I just didn't have this kind of like, I, I get uncomfortable sometimes when, because Michelle, we do our podcast together. She's very like womanhood and like, she just, she's just very fall falls into that. Right. And she's just like, that's all her essence and what she's about. And I admire that. But I get uncomfortable when I'm sometimes included in like a group of women um, as a woman, and I don't quite know what the discomfort is, and I don't know if it's because I, that my gender is what it is outside of that, or if it's just my experience in a group of women has always been volatile, mm. you know. So I mean, figuring it out. There's a lot of gender trauma that a lot of us carry. Um, mm -hmm a lot of mean girl trauma too. Mm -hmm. For me, I feel super grateful that like, I also experienced a lot of mean girl trauma, but like, uh, for me, femininity is just always, it's like a planet that like, yeah. and I don't feel like my gender is woman, but I feel like my gender is more like Dolly Parton and Miss Piggy. I like that. Right? Like, but it's true. Like if I go get my makeup done, I realized if I don't tell the makeup artist, no, I literally want to look like Miss Piggy, bright pink cheeks and a strong eyelid. Mm -hmm. Like if I don't tell them that and big lashes, <laughs> if I don't tell them that, then they, yeah. I don't get what I want. Yeah. And like it's never enough makeup. Right. Yeah, yeah. And it's so it's interesting, like how gender takes some self-examining mm -hmm. and it takes some like limitlessness. And it takes some like uh, examples from other people. Mm -hmm. Really recommend uh, two books about gender if people are out there wanting to explore. Number one is Kate Bornstein's My New Gender Workbook. Great book. Really mm -hmm. will walk you through like a gender journey. Has a little bit of the um, the great 
have you read her um, biography? Mm-mm. Okay, so her memoir, A Queer and Pleasant Danger. Okay. Uh, so good, Kate Bornstein. Okay. She's like a gender legend, um, has been talking about this stuff long before anybody else. And um, then the other suggestion I would make is Jeffrey Marsh's um, uh, How to Be You. Okay. Which is a really good like part memoir, part journal prompts. Interesting. Which I think you would love. Your okay. little park time with Margot. I do love a little One journal prompt. One chapter prompts. a day, like do a journal prompt. I do. Li- read a little about Jeffrey's life. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting because it's like a lot of things that are like typically seen as like feminine. Um, I do joy. But then I also, again, I'm sitting here and be like, do I enjoy them? <laughs> or are you just performing? Or have I just been, you know, I grew up in the Midwest with my mother telling me you have to do this and yeah. you have to get your hair done. But I like wearing, I like wearing pretty dresses, you know? But you I also like, like change. Wearing crowns. I've yeah. never seen someone change as much as you. Once I realized. I'll take that. It's interesting too, because like, I feel like when we were first friends, like I didn't really absorbed that you were triple water and that you change all the time and then when you changed like the first time I was like wait what and then I'm like oh that's right she's not an earth sign (laughs) I love I love that because I always feel like I'm not changing enough oh well maybe you're not maybe you need to be changing more maybe that's part of your gender I always feel like I see other people that I'm like god they just fucking shift when they shift and there's still a part of me that holds on to things in a way that when I look at logistically, I'm like, okay, there are a lot of things that you've gone through that you pretty quickly moved forward in some way. But I think, yeah, the Scorpio in me just, you know, loves to hold a little grudge, loves to just like torture myself a little bit and hold on and be like, what do those emotions feel like in this basket? Let's open this one back up um, until I don't feel anything. And I'm like, okay, now we can get rid of that one. Um, yeah. Scorpios poison themselves like intentionally, like little by little. I feel like we try to build up a... a um, what's the word? Uh, fuck, now I forgot it. But um, I feel like we try to build up, not sustainability, that's not the word I'm looking for, but um, where like if I ever have to drink the vial of poison, I will drink it and I will not die because I've been slowly dosing myself <laughs> with the poison. <laughs> and you don't know it. You're about to be surprised. Like, you know, so I don't know. I'm, I think I'm, I'm shifting easier than I used to, but it's been a process. So I'm always, I always love to hear about how I've grown and changed. So feel oh, free to. I'm here to be your record keeper. I love that. It's Thank one of the you. best parts about being my friend is that I will Perfect. keep strong records of you. Rachel in Atlanta calls me her bone collector because like, <laughs> I will be like, oh, remember when movie. your ex did la, 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 and, you know, whatever. <laughs> and then I get pissed all over again because I'm like, I forgot about that, but I'm still mad about that. <laughs> You're so good, too. Like, I've seen you, like, literally weathering heartbreaks where you couldn't talk about the person without crying. And yeah. then, like, six months later, you're like, yeah, I kissed him, and then it felt like nothing. And I was like, wow. I did. Yeah, that's a true I story I was like, I just, I just want to see if he was hard to see if I could still get it. And then I went back in the house. <laughs> I literally, yeah, I brought, like, oh, my God, I brought that person to um, the... What the Dumplin' part? movie premiere. <laughs> the Dumplin' movie premiere. Mm-hmm. And just walked around, just being like, look. Look what I can get. And then I went home, touched his dick a little bit, but went back in my house and didn't do anything. It was great. Um, I just needed to know that I could do it. Again, dosing myself and making sure that I can withstand the poison. Um, but yeah, Whereas I had, like six months before, you had literally been crying in my backyard about sobbing. that exact person. Ask every time I did like tarot cards with anyone. I was like, tell me if this is the person. I mean, same with that Aquarius situation that happened too. That one was, that's coming up on a year. Yeah, because it was on. Sad times. You went out with me on my birthday this past year. Um, that's one of the benefits of having a friend who has been disowned and doesn't see her family. Yeah, I'm like, what are holidays? 
birthdays. I'm like, come hang out with me on my birthday. Let's do something (laughs) special. So my ex, who was actually really good at birthdays, like she would drive. That's cute. She would do whatever I wanted on my birthday and vice versa. I would do whatever she wanted on her birthday. Mm -hmm. And like, so I was like, oh, I want to get stoned and have you drive me and my friend around uh, and look at holiday lights. And you all would get out and take pictures. And I was like, I'm going to sit here. (laughs) And I would sit in the car and like take creepy Instagram videos of you. And you had so many crying feels about. And it's like I've I've literally erased it. Like I don't even remember crying about this person anymore. You were so torn up about this I know. You wrote a good song. I didn't finish it though. Oh, well, it's still. But I know I got to finish. I got to work on it. Yeah, I took that. Ooh. I mean, and I would still fuck him, you know, like if it happened, it happened. I would need to do it just for like my peace of spirit. Like I just need, I just need, you know, I wrote it down in the book of fuck and I need to fuck him at some point. So, you know, if it happens in 10 years, it's fine. Um, you know, the long play. But yeah, I mean, I I think of that too. And then I also think of that friendship I lost that I was like sobbing. Mm. Like I could not fucking talk for months about it. I was so upset. And now I look back and I'm like, I feel literally nothing. (laughs) It's like I have an interest in the fact that I'm still getting subtweeted, which I think is is fascinating. What does subtweeting mean? Subtweeting is when you you say the thing you want to say, but not directly enough for anyone to 100% know what it's about. That's weird. You know, I mean, listen, I got a Pisces moon. That's passive aggressive. I love a good subtweet. I, I respect true. it. You my love, my you, entire music catalog is subtweets. Every single one. Fair enough. Fair enough. But also like, it's again, like, are you assuming the worst or are you assuming the best? But I mean, I'm, tell me more about, like, I wanted to ask you about this. Tell me more about how you embrace your darkness. Cause I feel like you do a good job of understanding like where you can be catty and mean <clears> and not less to other people, yeah. but just in general, like, um, yeah. Yeah. Tell me how you like embrace your darkness and like your shadier aspect. I think, I mean, I'm getting better at it because I'm being more vocal about it. I think there, you know, there are things that I would do that I would do in secret and I would say it to anyone. And now I've just started to be like, like, you know, if I create a, a fake Instagram account because I want to watch the Instagram stories of someone, but I don't want them to know that I'm specifically watching them, right? Mm. It's like, then I got to build that account, make it look real. Like, there's a whole mindset to that. Like, <laughs> like it's, a little, it's a little out there to be like, okay, well, I have to curate this to make it look real because I'm imagining how someone would feel if they clicked on my page and how they would know it was fake or not. I mean, I'm a little catfish, but like a quiet catfish. You know, I just want to know information. I you're just want to... You're not a catfish because you're not trying to go on dates with people. No, and no, no. Like, yeah, I don't want to fool anyone. I just yeah. want access to information that I don't have otherwise because I'm blocked. You yeah. know, just little things like that. I think that I've just started to make a joke out of it more often. Like I bring it up just like a little side, here, put it in there. But I also, um, I'm starting to understand why I do those things. And ultimately it comes down to I'm protecting myself. Mm. And so it's like, some of those things are shifting and maybe, and you know, and again, I keep crediting Michelle and Elias Detected, but like sometimes she says things in response to someone's question and I wasn't even thinking that. And then all of a sudden it t- totally reshapes how I think about myself. Like I hear her voice in my head sometimes when I'm like, okay, why are you being this way to yourself? Like, why are you doing this? Like I'm asking myself different questions. So I think it's just a credit to having other people that are involved in different ways that remind you of who you are and, or who you can be and who you're waiting to be. Um, and I, I think that I'm just realizing like, you know, you've survived a lot of things and you've protected yourself in certain ways. And some of those ways aren't going to work the same way. And hopefully you're a strong enough person that when they don't serve you anymore, you can just let them go and and get something else. Um, but ultimately at the end of the day, I don't want to be fucked with. And so, um, 
I'm not mean to people just for fun ever. I'm, it's only, even when I am at my meanest, there's still a little bit of humor to it. Like I could say some shit that's really true about this person fucking with me. But at the end of the day, I know that give it a week or two, I'll forget this even happened and we can, I'll say hi to you when I see you. Like it's not, I'm not holding on to it and I hate whoever. It's just that I need to let you know how the fuck I feel at this moment and back off. And we can go back and forth as much as you want. I'm always going to argue myself out of I, what I do makes sense. What I, why I did something makes sense to me. Michelle said something really great one time, which was like, I'm never wrong. She's like, if uh, there's always an opportunity where someone will reveal information to me that changes how I see it, I can understand it differently. But in that moment with what I knew and what I did and what I said, I was right for what I knew. And I think about that all the time of like that, just that willingness to grow and shift, but also ultimately like who I am right now and what I'm saying and what I'm doing is because I only have so much information and I'm doing the best I can with it, mm. you know? So I'm just doing the best I can and doing better than my parents did for me, hopefully <laughs> protecting myself. But I don't know. I embrace the demon, you know, I embrace the, the demon, you know, you gotta, you gotta make sure they don't go all out, but Sometimes they do more for you. They stand in. They're, they're your parent. You know, they help, they help protect you. And so I'm never doing anything malicious just to be malicious. No, absolutely. I you think know? you do, like, more funny um, things that are, like, a little catty. Yeah. Like, um, but never, like, aggressive. Yeah. Except for with Trisha Paytas. <laughs> but she said fat hating stuff first, so. I mean, and I still don't even think I've really gone in on Trisha Paytas the way that I could go in on Trisha Paytas because there's still a level of like, I'm saying this because this seems kind of weird and trash of whatever the controversy is at the moment. But ultimately, I have empathy um, in the sense of like, I've watched a lot of Trisha Paytas stuff in the past and been like, I'm concerned. Is anyone else concerned? But when you watch it happen long enough and you also are questioning like, okay, but does this person actually want to get out of whatever is happening or is this just kind of the life that's happening? I um, mean, she's actually, isn't she the kind of person who profits off of fat hating? Like she gets <clears throat> a lot of attention and views from well, saying she'll do like, Yeah, she'll do like music videos that are about like being a fat girl and then the next video will be her like getting a ton of surgery and talking about weight loss and how little she ate and how mm. it's like this weird, it's just not fat, right? It's this, I would say chubby at best. I don't think right now she, I mean, I have no, she's all over the place kind of, and I don't really watch her the way that I did, but, um, she's not someone that I look to as a role model in any kind of way <laughs> is what I would say. I mean, for sure. And I would say there, there's definitely a difference between she's an entertaining person I think that she's very free with how she's feeling regardless of, of what's going on. Um, but it's a very, uh, I was going to say unsustainable, but it's been sustainable so far. So it's just, a, I have to go in in small bits. You know, I'm triple water again. I'm picking everything up. So it's, I can only take on so much at a time. Whereas like if I don't like somebody, I just <sighs> won't watch their stuff. Yeah, fair. I don't hate watch things. I don't like, I, I'm really, I just, but also I'm 40 now and I just like need fair. to enjoy life and I'm tired of doing stuff. I hate watch less than I used to and I react less than I used to. That's good. Like if the Nicole Arbor Dear Fat People video came out today, oh my, my reaction would be very different. It would, not different in the sense of like what I had to say was true, mm -hmm. but how I approached it would not be as vulnerable in the way that it was. Mm -hmm because of the timing that it happened. Like yeah. it was like the first time I'd really seen someone in that inner circle of YouTube that was like known mm -hmm. amongst friends 
do something and just not give a shit about it. And now YouTube is a cesspool for that. So, I mean, that's like early days. That just shows you how innocent we are. Like there was a time when I was the poison of YouTube, you know, the biggest bully on the site. And I'm like, I really didn't do anything to get that title. Wow. Um, but, but yeah, you took that and made a jacket. Out of I did. Yeah. Yeah. I like to wear, I like to wear my, uh, you know, now I was going to say it's not a scar, but uh, you know, a little battle armor for, yeah. For the world. They need to know that you're the poison of you. It's a way of taking the power out of it, right? It's like yeah. you said that I'm the poison in the internet. I'm going to fucking laugh about it. I'm going to make <laughs> merch about it. And then I'm literally going to bring it up every time someone talks about like, well, what should I call you? I don't know, the poison of the internet. Like, what are you? It's like a fun joke. I just took the power out of what you thought was so powerful. So go fuck yourself. I win. I mean, again, Scorpio drinking the poison all the time. <laughs> it tastes good, you lucky, know? Lucky. Yeah. Um, who would you suggest people follow on Instagram to improve their lives? Oh, Instagram to improve your life. I mean, I mentioned her so many times. I'd say Michelle Moore. Mm. Um, Michelle Moore. Spell that. M-I-S-H-A-L-M-O-O-R-E. Yeah. Um, she has a podcast. We all have many podcasts, but she has a podcast called Encourageably Sound. Mm. And it's her own podcast where she just kind of like talks about whatever truth that week that she needs to get out. And the way she says things it's just, it, it, she speaks in a way where it's like, you listen to it the first time and you get the message. And then every time you listen to it again, you get a whole other understanding mm. at a different point in your life. And I think that's such a unique ability that she has. Um, so highly recommend Encourageably Sound. Again, if you want to check out No Lies Detected, she's also there as well, being brilliant and um, me usually reading emails past the point that she wants to hear them and me enjoying how painful that is for her. <laughs> Poor baby. Some um, people don't know how to be concise with their problems. They definitely know. A yeah. character limit is very important yes. in soliciting questions. And sometimes the title gives you everything you need to know about how to answer it. But mm -hmm. sometimes I just like to watch everyone else squirm about. You know, I just enjoy it. Um, it's the demon inside of me that likes it and I have to feed it, you know. Uh, but I would recommend Michelle. And I just think that what she makes is so profound and powerful. And um, you can take something from it. So... What are your two favorite songs that you've ever recorded? Oh. <clears throat> oh, my God. Me trying to remember the songs that I've written. Uh, I think Affected was one of my favorites. I recorded that in a closet. Um, <laughs> LOL. While I, was do while I was doing a television show, or not a television show, but like an internet show, that unfortunately was kind of centered around I, me and the trainer were trying to make it about a 5k running for a 5k and it was just so hard I talked about that in the video yeah. it's just so hard to divest from being a weight loss show <clears throat> but um, the thing that came out of that was really good was affected and then there were songs that I wrote that I never recorded that I feel like were very powerful I have a song called Oh Father that I never recorded um, officially but I did, I was in Nashville performing and I was staying in a, a friend's apartment and I had just gone through being disowned and I had written this song probably three days after and I recorded it. It's just me sitting in a bed singing about my dad essentially. And um, it's just one of the, writing that song healed me in a lot of ways and it like made me, like I had three days of being upset and eating pizza and just like being over it and then um, and then I wrote that song and it was literally like it just cleared out everything of like okay you, you did exactly what you're supposed to do like this person's not supposed to be in your life but you, you said everything you need to say do you have it like recorded um, I have there's a video so I could get the audio from the video will you send it to me I will can I put it in this podcast sure go for it great 
<laughs> Where can people find you on the internet, Tonjes? You can find me at Megan Tonjes on most things. M e g h a n t o n j e s. Um, I'm pretty much that everywhere, and highly recommend. I think I'm most active. I'm very active on Twitter, and I'm, I'm very active on everything. But I do, I do have a soft spot for Instagram. So I feel like anything that I'm doing, podcasts or otherwise, I'm probably promoting on Instagram. So check me out. That's a good way to connect with people. Um, I uh, also want to just do this with the fine audio recording. Uh, I just really wanted and needed Megan Tonjes to be on my podcast because she is a remarkable human being who, you know how you find friends who reflect the best parts of yourself back to you? Tonjes is the first person who looks like me. (laughs) (laughs) I remember we first first met and you were like, you're a younger me. And I was like, I'll accept it. I mean, the glasses, the blonde. I know, the blonde's slowly fading, though. It's slowly going. I know. You go in and out of what hair color you are, and I accept your change. I did blonde for a long time. You didn't meet me before. I mean, I used to have red hair. I think I might go back red for a while, actually. It's fine. I will. I receive you now as a changeling. And yet, (laughs) I am a changeling. If we, whenever we take a selfie next to each other, we look really similar. And yeah, I get it. Related. And I like that you reflect that to me. But also, you have a Shih Tzu who's an elder lady. I do. Which I had a Shih Tzu. I, I mean, I met you right after my dog passed away. Oh, my so gosh. I'm so glad that Margot got to waddle into my life. Yeah. After Macy. Just and living her life. Even Google Photos thinks that Margot and Macy are the same dog. It makes sense. I follow a lot of Shih Tzus right now that look so much like Margot. It's, it's scary. Yeah, it's great. And, uh, you know, and you're also a content creator and, uh, you know, a Scorpio. And I have a lot of Scorpio on my chart. So I'm just waiting for it to get rich enough that I can just disappear from the Internet and (laughs) and just like experience the other side of things. Because I haven't known life without I mean, I haven't known life without the Internet since I was about 12 or 13. But I haven't known what it's like to not be on camera since I was 19. I uh, was just reflecting in an episode of this podcast about what it was like for me to take four months off of creating content for the internet. Mm-hmm. It was huge. It was a huge change in my life. It was great. Yeah. It, it was like, I had so much time uh, and I had a lot I was going through and it was just really helpful to just like be yeah. just away from the harmful comments on the internet. I literally like idolize the idea of taking a week off. I'm like, oh my God, what's a week? <laughs> and then I keep saying yes to things and I'm like, I could never take a week off. Like I just... I'm helping a friend do, I'm doing like personal assistant stuff for them right now and just started that and producing someone else's podcast and then someone else. And I'm just like, I just want to like collect all the projects, which is definitely some scarcity mindset and also real being realistic about like how much things cost here. And like, if I have a job where I can only, I only have to spend like five hours a week on it, let's do it. Like add it to the queue. Um, I think it's just me trying to force myself to become better at managing my time by making it almost impossible to not manage my time. I mean, some people only understand the language of pain, and I think you, it's a Scorpio. my Scorpio friend, sipping poison constantly. I got to do it, man. Uh, but I, I do. One day I'm, I'm legitimately going to take like a vacation. I hope it's sooner than later. I just want to go. Probably after whatever happens tomorrow ends up happening, you'll probably get a text being like, I, I got to go off the grid for a few weeks. Well, I'm moving off the grid, so you can come visit. There you go. <laughs> There you go. Come to the forest, man. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just want to like go up to Boyne City, Michigan and just like be in a condo on a lake and not tell my family that I'm in Michigan and just fucking enjoy mm. the silence and the food that I want to eat and not talking to anyone and listening to a goddamn lake. It's just, that's the dream. It is the dream. You deserve it. I do deserve it. Yeah. 
I'm going to have it. Uh-huh. Start saving my money now from all these extra jobs. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> when I get that book advance and I'm like, fuck you, bitches. I'm going to Michigan for a month. Don't tell my family. See you later. Um, I feel like I only want to go back to Michigan to be in the silence. Well, not even silence. To just be on a lake. I don't want to talk to anyone. I just want to eat food and look at the sunset and like recharge. Like that's where I recharge. Mm, Haven't been there in a minute, but you know, there's a lot, there's a lot attached. Who's going to pick me up from the airport? Going to have to be family. Got to figure it out. So we need to have renting car money. Yeah. Yeah. We're working on it. I got my digit account. It's slowly pulling out money every day, you know? So that's true. You actually been good at saving. Wow. Broke even on your taxes. You've been saving. Yeah, You're trying taking- to pay off my credit card debt. I was like, what if we just start putting this all in this little account and then I can just pay off like $500 at a time? What? Mm. Working on it. This is the year that I'm going to try I'm going to try really, really hard to get out of credit card debt. <gasps> Only to eventually probably need that cash that I just spent and have to put it back on a credit card. Let us not <laughs> be in these debt cycles. Let us let us triumph. Away yeah, right? Into our I don't monetary want it. maturity. I don't want it. I work too hard for it. It's like, can we can can help me please so you know uh gotta write the outline for this book gotta sell this book be charming tanjas and get that advance and then never speak to anyone again i've told friends i'm like if i get to a level of richness that i don't need to do anything for anyone anymore you will probably get random like luxurious christmas presents but there'll never be a return address and then maybe occasionally i'll send a jet for everyone and be like clear out these two weeks i require you here and then just like bring friends in and out when and how i need them provide for everyone but be the fuck alone with me and my many shih tzus i curled up in bed every night independently wealthy so that i can have Five elder shih tzus oh at a time. Just sending people, like just filling up people's Venmo requests, just like sending money to yeah, people randomly exactly. that need it. I just, Less it's a dream. People. But then you would have to interact with people to find out that they need it. I mean, I'll always be creeping. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Duh. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Hello. I'm always going to be looking on my Instagrams and my Twitters, just looking but not responding to anything. That's good to know, that there yeah. will always be a Tanjus creeping around. Yeah. Even if there is not a Tanjus that we know where she is. You know, it's like she sees when you're sleeping. She sees when you're awake. Mm-hmm. She knows if you've been good or bad. So don't fuck it up. Oh, my God. <laughs> you're like this. <laughs> I, I literally tweeted the other day. I was like, me, Rich, will be me. Uh, every day I have to stop myself from wanting to be like a very passive-aggressive Santa Claus. Like, I would send lavish <laughs> gifts to the children of my enemies, you know? Like, just to, like, fuck it up. Um, that sounds fun to me. You're it's my kind of revenge. I'm like, I'm going to make everyone around you love me more, and then I'm, and I'll never forgive you. <laughs> and you'll know it. And you'll know it. <laughs> I won't say it, but you'll know it. And when I see you, I'll smile on your face. I'll be so kind, but I want you to know that I know. Mm. You know? Those are my fantasies. <laughs> They're dark and they're beautiful. Yeah, they're dark and twisty and, you know, I'm, I'm, a lot of people spend their whole life trying to outrun the darkness and the sad shit. I just dive into it because I'm like, listen, if I can survive this or figure it out or at least take something from it, I'm going to weather these things a lot better than anyone that's avoiding it. Like, I don't avoid bad feelings. I'm like, I was born into bad feelings. (laughs) Like, Like, you know, I can compartmentalize it a little bit to get through what I have to get through, but ultimately I'm going to reach back in that little sack and what's this today? Ooh, a little depression. Ooh, I like it. Okay, let's eat our way through it. All right, let's watch the medium. Okay, I've cried that out. Okay, we can put that back. Like, 
a little poison every day. Oh my God. <laughs> Tanja, thank you for sharing about how to live your best life on my yeah. podcast. Yeah. You're Take that amazing. poison. Yeah. Make it happen. Sip the poison. Sip the poison. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just a little bit at a time. Yeah. <laughs> it's not it's not a life for everyone, but you know, those of us who can do it, we're better. I you know, I just want to put it out. <laughs> My Scorpios know where it's at, so yeah, they get it. Okay, so wherever you are, I want you to know that you are worthy of love, exactly as you are. You need to change nothing about yourself in order to be worthy of that love, and I hope that you pour self-love all over yourself and just you know learn to accept and love right where you're at because that's the most potent thing you can do to propel yourself forward into your greatness. Love you so much. Talk to you next time. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Well, you're recording this, so now you have oh, to do yeah. this.